On January 30, 1889, tucked away in the Meyerling Hunting Lodge near Vienna, one of history's most tragic love stories unfolded. It involved Rudolf, the Crown Prince of Austria, his teenage mistress, Mary Vetsera, and a nearly unspeakable crime. When the dust settled on that day, history had changed forever. Hello and welcome to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. I'm Dancy. And I'm Veronica. And this season of the show is all about historical true crime. We are exploring history's dark side through courtroom dramas, executions, disappearances, mysterious deaths, and much, much more. This week, we're talking about the infamous Meyerling Incident. Never heard of it? Well, buckle the heck up. So as usual with a lot of these true crime things, we'll kind of start with the main players and we'll build up into what happened at that hunting lodge in Meyerling that day. So one of our main characters here, possibly the main character, is the Crown Prince Rudolf of Austria. And Rudolf is pretty typical spoiled brat royal. Mm-hmm. He's the son of Emperor Franz Joseph and Empress Elizabeth of Austria, which uh, we did an episode on her last season, so you can check that out. Of course, because of this, he's the heir to the Austrian Empire, which was a huge deal at the time. In Rudolf's lifetime, it had basically officially taken over territories in Hungary. It was very powerful. It had a lot of military might. And Rudolf was a long-awaited boy in the family. And as we know, male heirs, big thing. So the Austrian Empire... Pretty much the minute that Rudolf arrives, thinks they have it in the bag. Only, Rudolf is not quite the boy his father wants. As far as um male heirs to carry on your dynasty goes, I think as we'll see, it couldn't have really gone worse for the Austrian Empire. Yeah, it really couldn't have gone worse. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm trying to think and I do not have a worse option for them. <laughs> But to be fair, I mean, this is we always talk about quite rightly, like how awful the monarchy is because of the systemic problems to the people who aren't inside the monarchy. But let's be real, like, it's not good to the people in it. No, (laughs) like you have money, but I don't know if anyone emerges unscathed from a royal family, emotionally, mentally, right. And Rudolph wasn't cut out for it. No one is, but Rudolph, of of all of the variants of people, he was probably the least. He was really, really sensitive. He was more interested in academics and science than like military power. He was also introverted, prone to depression. One quote that um, someone described him as was, a poetic young man who brooded a lot. <laughs> so <laughs> it's right there. It's right on the page. Yeah, he brooded a lot. And he actually took after his mother, Elizabeth, in this way. Again, our episode on her goes into this. She was a kind of famous eccentric who hated the Austrian court because the Austrian court was really rigid, really conservative. And while it sounds good that Rudolf had a kind of kindred spirit in his mother, mm, two introverts don't always give each other what they need, as I think a lot of introverts know sometimes. His mother, Elizabeth, just wasn't there because she was had her own problems, was running away from people she hated. So it really only made Rudolf more isolated and lonely as he grew up. And in fact, his father, Franz Joseph, actually took the opportunity one time while his mother was away to hire a military man 
to basically drill Rudolph every morning at the crack of dawn. The ass crack of dawn. My favorite phrase. (laughs) Yeah. And it was basically like he was living like a full metal jacket nightmare. Just drills all the time, waking up at all hours of the day. This this drill sergeant constantly screaming at him. And again, like he's not a guy that's going to react well to this. He's sort of a sensitive soul. He's not someone who's going to get toughened up by boot camp, although obviously this is what his father thinks it's going to do. This just broke him, like almost to the point of a nervous breakdown. Luckily, Empress Elizabeth ended up coming home eventually and seeing this and put an end to it, but it like it really affected him for the rest of his life. And it's just like he didn't fit at all into what the Austrian family, particularly his father, thought an heir should be like. So was Rudolf well-adjusted? No, not at all. Yeah, gonna go with no on that one. (laughs) Abused by my own father, not gonna make for a super healthy adult. The other other thing I remember reading is uh, when Rudolf was, you know, like a young man, he was going on talking probably about science or biology or something that he's interested Nerd. in. Yeah, well, that's basically what his dad did. His, his dad <laughs> no! went, oh, oh, look at Rudolph rattling again. Oh. He's just like, shut up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> so not a great childhood. But as Rudolph grew up, you know, we all have to kind of take on the burden of our, <laughs> of our traumas. And Rudolph didn't uh, do so hot on that, taking up that burden. He wasn't the greatest dude in the world. Now, he was a pretty average looking guy, not like super hot, not repulsive, but just kind of, he looked like a man. He's fine. Nonetheless, woman considered betting him a, quote, patriotic duty. So he got girls a lot without trying, you know, basically like, you know, some D-list celebrity can just get girls all the time because they were once on a show. And Although women loved him, at least patriotically. (laughs) What a euphemism. (laughs) Um, Rudolf had a way worse view of women. He saw them really only as wives or mothers or mistresses. Uh, He once said, quote, women bore me when they are not laughing or singing. As a matter of fact, are they good for anything else? You suck. This guy is going to make a great husband someday, I think. Right? Right, Veronica? Good one, Dancy. (laughs) Wow. How many ways can I say no? (laughs) Okay. So he marries a woman named Prince Stephanie of Belgium, effectively because she looks good on paper. In real life, this is yet another shit show of royal marriage. We've had so many, but this one is right down at the bottom with the rest of the really messed up ones, like one wrong and Puyi and... Oh, like real bad, real bad. So he and Stephanie get married in 1881. Rudolph is 23 years old. Stephanie is 17. Mm. I think unsurprisingly, their marriage crumbles ASAP. Rudolph and Stephanie are not compatible at all. Rudolph is very um, liberal, horned up, kind of a party boy, but also like, you know, like a poetry bro. He's a fuck boy. Like, that's what he is. Yeah, he's like a fuckboy who would have been in your MA cohort. Yeah, he's the guy reading Camus in a black turtleneck, (laughs) um, 
who has all these moral ideals, but doesn't practice them. I think if we transplanted Rudolph to today, he would be a person who could say a lot of feminist things and uh, mm-hmm. treat women like absolute garbage in his yes. personal life. That's yes. this guy's vibe. Meanwhile, Stephanie is very conservative and Catholic, very prim and proper. You know, she's been bred to be an ideal wife, and that is what she is. Unfortunately, that is not what Rudolph wants. Despite this, they do manage to have an heir, Elizabeth Marie. And after that, with, you know, his primary duty done, Rudolph's like, all right, you know, the ultimate goal is a son, but we've got a girl in the wings. I'm basically just going to check out of my marriage right now, pay even less attention to my wife. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) BRB, gotta go um, kind of live a, a bit of a radical socialist life. You know, he liked to go into town. He liked to mix with the riffraff. Hang out but at the again, it's like, it's like fake socialist, bro. Like, this guy is not... <laughs> yeah, like, he's not giving no. up his wealth. <laughs> but he's also down there, not just to, you know, flirt with socialism. He's down there to get some action. So he likes hooking up with tons of women. He has lots of mistresses and little girlfriends. And he sees a lot of sex workers. Put a pin in the name Mitzi Kaspar. She is one of his special favorites. Some people say, like, the love of his life. So keep a little eye on her name. We'll come back yeah, to her. Who, who, who knows? Who knows yeah, foreshadowing, guys. A little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he also kept a sex diary that he color-coded to keep track of which women were virgins when he first bedded them. Oh. So this is the man we're dealing with. <laughs> and it gets worse. During one of his many, many, many affairs, Rudolph, uh, I mean, this is not a plot twist. He gets gonorrhea. <laughs> You held the door open and welcomed it right in. Mm -hmm. But he's also trying to get a male heir going with Princess Stephanie. So they're still doing the deed, despite the fact that they don't really like each other. Okay, here's what happens. Rudolph gives gonorrhea to Princess Stephanie. She does not get treatment in time, I think because he didn't actually tell her the dangers of sleeping with him as a noted horn dog and uh, pervo. I'm willing to believe that. I'm willing to believe that. So Stephanie very tragically becomes sterile. She becomes infertile. She cannot have any more children. That's what this infectious disease she didn't have to get does to her. Uh, And this is bad for many reasons. Stephanie's mental health and emotions are obviously shattered right now. But it also means that Austria's royal couple, their precious hope for the dynasty, this couple cannot have another heir. And they cannot have a male heir. Put a pin in that. Then, 1886, after getting a life-threatening illness and losing her womb, Stephanie reasonably calls time on her romance with Rudolph. Fair. Like a lot of royal couples, they can't actually divorce, right? But they can lead separate lives. And that's what they do. So she hooks up with a Polish count. Meanwhile, Rudolph heats up one of his many pre-existing relationships with other women. He is having an affair with a significantly younger woman named Baroness Mary Vetsera. Side note, Baroness Vetsera is like a video game name. I it's love a it. a really great name, especially for a mm-hmm, femme fatale mm-hmm, figure. Mm-hmm. Ooh, wow. Now, different accounts of Rudolph and Baroness Mary Vetsera's affair say that they flaunted their courtship in front of Stephanie for between three months and three years. Ooh. And depending on these accounts and which ones you believe... That also means that Mary could have been as young as 15 when she oh began seeing Rudolph, who would have been between 28 and 31. 
And I mean, being between 15, 16, 17, that's the age range for her. And a man in his early 30s, that is a huge maturity gap. And this is, you know, the future king of Austria. And you're, you know, she has a social climbing mother. She's certainly not as pedigreed as Rudolph. The power imbalance here is so intense. And I mean, Mary Vetsera is one of the key players in what's about to come. Mm-hmm. I just feel so fucking sad for her. But anyway. Yeah. But for now, these two are just really into each other. They had a very, um, like, we are deep souls, and only we understand how deeply our souls are connected. You know, like how a 16-year-old loves someone. Say. Yeah, like you would think that kind of a love would stop, you know, when you turn 31, but I guess not. Uh, it was very cringy. They actually said they shared a, quote, mystical temperament. <laughs> <sighs> that's a that's a quote from my 12 year old journal <laughs> <laughs> me and my letters to leonardo dicaprio <laughs> i just think we share a mystical temperament jack orlando from bloom and i share a mystical temperament. <laughs> back in this context though i i think this is very embarrassing secondhand embarrassment wise i give mary a pass because she's a literal teenager mm-hmm. Explaining Rudolph, though, is a little more complicated. I think we have to be... mm, There's just a few ways we need to think about this. So on the one hand, I think we can agree that Rudolph seems like a pretty impulsive and selfish person. I don't Mm -hmm. particularly like him. Dancy, Mm -hmm. do you have thoughts? I'm picking up your ambivalence as well. I'm picking up what you're putting down, I guess. I have really complex feelings about him and I don't like him, but I have kind of an immense amount of empathy for him at the same time. Exactly. And I think keeping that empathy in mind is crucial because, right, like on the one hand, he doesn't seem like a particularly empathetic person himself. On the other hand, he's, you know, you have to keep it front and center in your head when you talk about Rudolph that he is a person with profound mental illness. He had severe anxiety and would have these very intense depressive spirals. And like we were talking about at the top of the episode, he was the 1%, but he was a very much like a poor little rich boy. Mm-hmm. He had been forced into a loveless marriage. He had a deeply unhappy childhood, very dysfunctional relationship with his father. And now that he cannot have a male heir, this feeling of inadequacy must have just been dialed up to 11. Not to mention guilt, right? Like he made his wife sterile. It's his fault. Yeah, like he cannot do the one thing that has been expected of him. Mm -hmm. He's ruined his own marriage. And then there's also like we were talking about with him hanging out on the town and having this sort of like radical streak. He just really feels like he does not fit in where he spends his life in the Austrian royal court. All of this combines to lead Rudolph to a truly desperate act. So we have arrived at the infamous event Rudolph one day takes Mary and they go to the Meyerling Hunting Lodge uh, for a day of shooting on January 30th, 1889. But when Rudolph's valet went to rouse him that day for the shooting, there was no answer at the door. This valet already gets real creepy feelings about this. Like he, he doesn't like it. And he actually has to break down the door to open it, which he does because he's like, something bad is in this room. So they finally break down the door. And this is one of those things that remains like so evocative for me, kind of like the Romanov execution of what's inside this room is sort of like burned into my imagination. 
Rudolph is on the bed, slumped over in a kind of sitting position, totally dead. Mary is beside him, lying down, totally dead. Like, oh, shit. And if I'm that valet, you're like saying that a million times. The heir to the Austrian Empire is found dead in his bedroom with his teenage mistress. It's not a great look. No, no. And this sets off a hailstorm of confusion, misinformation, downright subterfuge. So the valet, um, when he broke into the room, he saw a cup by the bed, and he immediately jumped to this conclusion that Mary Vetsera had poisoned Rudolph before taking her own life. That was his assumption of events, because, of course, like, the woman had to do something bad. Women are crazy, Dancy, you know that. Bitches be cray. Well, this is wrong. That's not what happened. The government who was terrified at the whole situation, like no one really knows like how these two people end up dead. They try to cover it up. And they say that Rudolph died of a, quote, aneurysm of the heart. That's not what happened either. The Empress and Emperor, when they find out, are totally horrified that Mary Vetsera is there in the first place at all. And they actually secret her body out in the dead of night bury her without an autopsy, <gasps> and they even refuse to let her own mother attend the funeral. So wow. we're not getting the answers from there because they're trying to hide it up, which, by the way, justice for Mary, like this poor fucking girl. Oh, how old is she at this time? She died at 17 years old. Meanwhile, this is sort of just a side note, but like the irony in this or the, it's just cruel. The emperor and empress just completely trash Mary's body, but they get Rudolph interred in a church under special conditions of course. Um, for his mental imbalance. And this was after a lot of effort because no church readily wanted to accept him because of the circumstances of his death. So what actually happened in the Meyerling Hunting Lodge that day? The path to the truth came out with one small item, which was a bullet found <gasps> in Rudolph's body. In fact, this is the only bullet they found anywhere. A later exhumation of Mary's body showed she had no bullet in her. And obviously, okay, this information tells us that Mary didn't poison Rudolph. What it does tell us is Rudolph got shot somehow. Mm -hmm. Did he shoot himself? Did she shoot him? And again, this is still, there was a long while where people were like, like, was this a murder-suicide? Was it a double-suicide? Was it... Like, who killed whom? The doctor who examined Mary's remains, his theory on this all was that Mary was pregnant and she underwent a botched abortion and ended up succumbing to blood loss. And then Rudolph walked in, saw his lifeless mistress, and ended up killing himself and completing suicide. Uh, that doesn't seem right to me at all because they plan this, like, romantic getaway and she, what, just, like, gets an abortion en route like, that would not have happened yeah, in exactly. the hunting lodge. That would have happened somewhere else. Like, right. no, that story right. does not hold water. But continue. So we finally got proof from the horse's mouth in a kind of incredible way. So as recently as 2015, letters that were in a safety deposit box from Mary Vetsera emerged. And in them, Mary tells her family that the death of Crown Prince Rudolph and herself was a planned love pact. She says in the letter, 
Please forgive me for what I've done. I could not resist love. I am happier in death than life. And the way that people reconstruct what happened now, they believe Mary willingly took poison and Rudolph shot himself. And that is brutal, but there's a coda to this crime, to this mystery, that really grinds my gears. A lot of the accounts suggest that prior to Meyerling, Rudolf was in a depressive spiral and was so depressed that he was casting around for anyone to make a suicide pact with just so he didn't die alone. Oh, this guy. In fact, most historians believe that he went to his old friend, Mitzi Kaspar, the sex worker slash actress that he had dalliances with before Mary Vetsera, and asked her to go down with him first. She refused because she thought he was joking, apparently. And because of that, Rudolph turned to Mary, turned to poor 17-year-old impressionable Mary and said, I want to make a love pact with you. You're my true love. <sighs> like, she was just his sloppy seconds. Yeah, she was his backup plan, at least as far as historians can tell. Again, like, that room in Meyerling is so haunted to me. We now know basic threads of what happened, but there are all these strings hanging down that oh, don't lead anywhere good. Like, it just, the way you can reconstruct it is just, oh, horrific. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a really dark third act twist. And still, I think there's like a fourth act twist because this horrific incident actually had far greater consequences than Rudolph and Mary's personal demise. Yes, that is true. And that is the part that I am going to tell you about, dear listener. I have <laughs> three extra little twists of the knife to reveal to you now. Okay, the aftermath of the Meyerling Lodge incident. Number one, Rudolph's death and its impact on his mother, Empress Elizabeth. The death of her son, who dysfunctional though their relationship was, they were always sort of kindred souls. Well, she was devastated by this violent and tragic end to her son. She wore black for years. She had been a bit of a sensation around Europe. She became a recluse and she suffered profoundly intense grief for her son. She even tried to contact Rudolph's ghost with a seance. Oh, man. And then this family, you kind of get the sense that they're cursed because mm -hmm. she also suffers a violent death. She is assassinated by an anarchist who stabs this crude four-inch-long needle into her chest. And, you know, she barely even has time to understand what's happening before she's dead. So that's the first one. Second little plot twist, Rudolph also impacted another woman in his life, his daughter, Elizabeth Marie. She inherited her father's rebellious side and became an actual radical socialist. Yeah, like she put her money where her mouth Yeah, was. she was down to redistribute the wealth. Um, she has a really metal nickname. She was called the Red Archduchess. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But she also had a deeply dysfunctional and violent 
love affair of her own. She married a man who was older than her. She married him for love, very passionate, but that man never truly loved her in return. And their marriage devolves very quickly. And her husband starts seeing a young actress. Sound familiar? At one point, Elizabeth Marie walks in on her husband and his young mistress canoodling. And she has come prepared, evidently. She whips out a golden pistol and she shoots the woman dead. And she never faces consequences for this. But, like, I'm seeing just a lot of violence coming through with the Austrian royals. I mentioned this, I think, in a previous season one episode. But when stuff like this happens, I I do always think of Greek mythology and the House of Atreus, Mm -hmm. right? There's this idea that this curse can be put on your family generations back and it seeps down and down and down. And, like, obviously, that was, like, a real magical curse in the myth. But we all know what generational trauma is. Like, we all understand the way that these things, like, impact each other. And, like, this family, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think also, like, just generations of low-key inbreeding happening in all the royal families in (laughs) Europe. Everyone's cousins with everybody else. You know, it just has impacts down the line. Can't be good. Can't be good. And my final plot twist, and this is one of the most extreme examples of the butterfly effect in action. Mary and Rudolph's murder-suicide shook Austria. It obviously disturbed the nation's people, but it also presented an impossible problem for the line of succession. Because with Rudolph gone, you know, as though there was a chance for a male heir at all, you know, now there for sure isn't any. So Austria has to make do. They give the crown to Rudolph's paternal uncle, who then passes it down to his son, who is Rudolph's cousin, That man is Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Hmm. Does that name sound familiar? It does. Not just a band from the early odds. (laughs) It's also the man who got assassinated and from his assassination kicked off the international incident that led to the First World War. This fucking family. I fucking know. So that's the story of the Meyerling incident. It is... A true OG in the world of historical true crime, and yet I don't see a lot of podcasts talking about it. I hope you found it interesting. It is uh, quite a tale. A wild one. And I hope it haunts you too. Yeah, guaranteed to haunt you. <laughs> Isn't that what we're here for? Yeah, I love morbid shit. God help me. Thanks for listening to Yesterday's News, a podcast brought to you by Factinate.com. If you want to learn more about Crown Prince Rudolf, his mother, Empress Elizabeth, or just Meyerling in general, you know, we have articles and editorials on all those people. Uh, We will link them in the show notes as always. If you want to see my dumb and beautiful history memes on social media, give us a follow on Instagram at Yesterday's News Podcast. We're also on Twitter at Factinate Pod. And hey, we have an email yesterday's news at factinate.com shoot us a message let us know what you think about the show turn us on to cool new topics share a fun fact you know just get in touch say hi be nice but say hi (laughs) we'll be back next week with another historical crime to dissect until then don't let the bland textbooks fool you history was the original true crime documentary